NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast and another smiling face on the other side. Please, who the fuck are you and what do you do? <laughs> hey, Dean. I am so excited to be on here with you today. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, I am fucking Ellen Polford. <laughs> 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 and what I do, uh, you know, I'm I'm a skydiver, man, just through and through. It's, it's what I live, eat, and breathe. Um second generation my my father had over 500 skydives in the late 60s early 70s Ooh. oh yeah so thank you daddy <laughs> um he was actually my mother's skydiving instructor too so they've been married for about 45 years after that uh you know back when tandems weren't even a thing so guys uh step up your game you know <laughs> your your dad was one of those he was one of those. Good yep. man. Yep. Good man. The way I look at it, if it weren't for him, none of us would be here. You yeah. know, he he uh, flew a square twice in his career and broke a leg both times. You know, he, re <laughs> <laughs> he really put uh, a lot of blood, sweat and tears to creating this beautiful sport for us and, and where it is today. Nice. Um, so they stopped skydiving, you know, before I was even born, but I grew up hearing about the glory days my whole life. You know, my oldest sister was a drop zone baby. Uh, it just was something that I always knew I was going to do, but I didn't start until right around my 30th birthday. 
uh, you know, made plans for a tandem skydive over and over again. And all my punk ass friends kept bailing, you know, and uh, just it just never happened until the perfect time. Sure. So as soon as I went on my first tandem and my feet hit the ground, I was like, this is what daddy was talking about. <laughs> That's and awesome. It, yeah. And I just went full blown into the scene. I mean, I was I like to say I was kind of bred to work in the sport. You know, I went on the operations side um, over half my jumps or camera jumps. You know, that was kind of where I really fit into the scene was was flying tandem video, you know, watching first time jumpers. That just kind of never gets old. Um, and here I am about eight years later, uh, 14, 1500 jumps. You know, I've slowed down a lot the last couple of years to deal with a lot of stuff that I'm sure we're going to talk about on this yeah. podcast. Sure. Uh, yeah. To to say who is Ellen? Ellen is a skydiver, man, whether she's jumping out of a plane or not. Nice. Well, I, that's, you know, that's uh, one of the uh, overriding themes of the podcast is once a skydiver, always a skydiver. You know, there's people that make a jump or make a couple of jumps. But once you're a skydiver, you're you're a fucking skydiver. That's right. That's right. And I, so I've got kind of this um, platform, you know, that I'm working on this year. Uh, it's, it's the year for me to just start talking and telling my story. Uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity, but the, you know, I always say when the day comes or if it comes that you can't skydive anymore, you better know who the fuck you are. You know, oh, yeah. you better know who you are because you go through this incredible identity crisis. Right. And for me, when I wasn't able to skydive, um, there was no question about who I was. Sure. There's no question. Um, so, you know, the last couple of years, I've just really been trying to kind of find my way in this, in this new world of mine. And, um, you know, I have to have skydivers. I have sure. to have the community. I have to have the environment. I have to have what it does for my mental health and physical health. Um, you know, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful community. And it it adds so much value to my life, regardless if I'm exiting an aircraft or not. Sure. Um, you know, it's 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 what I need to be a successful human. <laughs> sure. Now, before skydiving, what was what was in the plans like before you had made that first jump? I mean, you knew you wanted to be a jumper, but there's a big difference between you know you want to make a skydive and it becoming your whole life. So, what was the plan before that first tandem? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was extremely dedicated and focused on my career. Um, I was in the flooring industry for about 20 years. Uh, very, very much an expert. Um, the last position I held was an executive level job. You know, it was nice. um, extremely lucrative. I was really, really good at it. Um, I think the challenge of dominating a male dominated industry was something that always really fascinated me. I loved sure. the corporate ladder. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I love the clout. I loved, you know, putting, putting people in their place when they thought I couldn't do it, that sure. kind of thing. Um, and I just really saw myself being that type of person for the rest of my life. Um, you know, fast forward to where I started getting more involved in the community. I started traveling and doing records and things like that. I realized uh, it how how very unfulfilling it was compared to you know other things out there. And you know, I got good at skydiving, right? So it was it was something else to to fulfill. That it was it's also a, a male dominated industry, and sure. it. It, it really kind of took on this new life and new focus for me uh, to where it became pretty dominant in my life. Sure. And my career just meant less and less to me. <laughs> uh, and so now I consider myself pretty much retired. Sure. Um, I uh, have gotten out of corporate America and uh, my mental health and, and physical health has skyrocketed since, uh, you know, now I, I, I don't require as much to get by. I live full time in my RV. I live at Scott out of Chicago, you know, the, the never, never land of skydiving facilities <laughs> uh, during the summer and, um, you know, travel during the winter. And, sure. and, and my heart is really happy with that. It just got to the point where, um, you know, the, the daily grind at corporate America just did not make sense for me anymore, but it's, yeah. it's crazy because I never thought that that day would come. 
I, I thought that that was going to be my identity for the rest of my life. Sure. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. You get so wrapped up in that grind that it's just what you expect. And, and of course, we're especially my generation and my parents' generation. You were just raised to believe that that's what a good person did. That's the life that you lived as you worked nine to five or a whole lot more. You busted your ass and you drank beer on the weekends or or you took your, you know, two week vacation to Vail to go skiing if you were doing really good. But that was it. You know, I mean, that was your life. And when you step away from that, it's very hard to step away from because it makes you feel like a, a you're a failure. You're not a success in the modern society. But then you realize very quickly I'm so much better off. And you wonder what the fuck was I thinking? Right, right. It's it's definitely how we are trained to think. Um, you know, society wants us to believe that success only means one thing, you know, a good credit score and lots of, you know, monetary value. And the more things that you have, the more successful you are. And in, in my opinion, it's it's almost the opposite. Yeah. I found out that the less I have, the happier I am, you know, and and when people ask me what my goals and aspirations are, you know, some days I'll just be honest and tell them I want to do as little as possible for as long <laughs> as I can, you know, because I'm really tired. Yeah, <laughs> I've done I've done enough. I just truly have. And so, uh, you know, two years ago, almost to the day, uh, I actually at 35 was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Oh, wow. It was. Yeah, it changed everything. You know, it just really changed everything. And obviously, it's some for the, you know, some for the worse, but it's, it's it's done some pretty incredible things for me, too. And it really helped me prioritize my life and be able to clearly see a healthy future for myself and what that is and, sure. and, and not have so many questions about it. You know, I, it got, I had the 800 credit score. I had rental properties. I had, uh, you know, glamorous vacations, like you said, two weeks a year. If I, if I was lucky to even have the time right. to do that, but it meant nothing when it, sure. when I realized at the end of the day, you know, corporate America, you'll become disposable if you can't do anything for them. Sure. You know, the healthcare system in the United States doesn't care what your credit score is, right? You're still going to get screwed at the end of the day. Sure. But, but where, you know, you can still have a lot of value is in our community. Sure. You well, don't get I mean, chewed up and bit out like you do in corporate America. You actually get coddled and, and, and everybody comes, comes to the call of duty in oh, yeah. and, and you have a very safe place here, no matter what. Well, you know, it's 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 funny because at the end of the day, cancer doesn't give a fuck what your credit score is. It doesn't care nope. what kind of car you're driving. It doesn't care about any of that. And unfortunately, modern health care in some places can be incredibly difficult. And and you spend more time worrying about the health care. And then you're in a corporate system where, depending on the company, you're most likely just a number or a face to someone. Whereas in skydiving... Beside the fact that everybody knows everybody and it's one big family, we've also learned to deal with things in a dramatically different way than the rest of the world, right? Because, I mean, mm -hmm. sk skydiving already teaches you where the real value in life is. And then you have to I, – I would imagine that it had to have made you much stronger in dealing with something like a, a cancer diagnosis. 100%. I attribute my success with my health issues to the skydiving community, hmm. period. I, it, All the friends that I, not all the friends, excuse me, I don't want to generalize, but when I got sick, the the people that were around me all day, every day, I haven't seen, you know, in, in over a year or two. I mean, it, it, things things change so rapidly. And, and when your life gets very difficult, uh, if it's difficult for you, it, it's, it's way harder for everybody else. But in our community, you know, most of us just there's something a little off to begin with, <laughs> you know, and and we we almost thrive in an environment of panic and sure. of chaos and where people just are trying to get better, you know, yeah. from from what across the board, that could be a lot of different reasons. But but most of us need this because we're lacking somewhere else. Sure. Um, and it, so it's a community of just like-minded people, um, no matter what our backgrounds are, age, race, 
uh, gender, you know, we have such a common trait to where when you, you know, get into a place in your life where you're just in complete crisis, um, you're, you're welcomed with open arms here, you know, your your buddies aren't going to get uncomfortable with those conversations that you need to have. Uh, we thrive in those kind of conversations. Um, you know, when you have your really ugly days, they won't leave you because, because we're just used to that. And, and it's a big family opposed to, you know, having these, what I like to call kind of micro friends, you know, that, that just kind of pop in and pop out when, things aren't too bothersome for them. And I, and I, I I don't blame these people. I don't mean to sound bitter. It's just, they're not built like we are. Right. Well, they haven't, they haven't wired themselves that way. First off, I think we start out a little bit different, but then the way that we are is constantly reinforced by the community that we have. And I'm sure you're the same way. I have friends that are not in skydiving that come to me when they want blunt, no fucking around truth because they know I'm not going to flinch. You know, I mean, I had one friend that came to me and and said, you know, I I think I've got a a drinking problem. And the the answer she'd gotten from all her non-skydiving friends was, no, no, you're, you're going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. And and I went, yeah, you probably fucking do because you drink too much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The brutal honesty is really a a huge part of our foundation Yes, um, because we are dealing with life or death every single day and you can't sugarcoat that shit. You know, if if your friend sucks at skydiving, you got to tell them they suck. (laughs) (laughs) You can't tiptoe around that because they could die. Yeah. My favorite Uh, used to be when you'd get the tandem students that come out and you'd be shooting video. And I'm sure you saw this as well. You can't really die, can you? And I used to revel in looking them right in the eyes and go, absolutely. We could die 15 minutes from now, both of us. And just stand there looking at them straight faced. And they're like, fuck. (laughs) One of my one of my big, uh, you know, constant responses is I would look at him and say, well, this isn't a roller coaster rod, honey. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> we are not at the carnival. Um, but yeah, you know, I will I will be completely honest with anybody who cares to listen. The 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 way I have conditioned myself to become the skydiver that skydiver that I became and um, the member of the community and being able to handle the carnage and and all this uh, it it truly was my greatest asset going into cancer mm. um, and yeah. I will re- I will never forget the day that this doctor um, and and again I don't I don't want to generalize and act like I'm just so bitter and, and have the worst taste in my mouth for all doctors but got a pretty bad taste in my mouth for doctors <laughs> and I'll never forget the day that they looked at me and said that I have a 15% or excuse me a 17% chance of living 5 years Whoa. and yeah so did that just give you chill bumps yeah me too but that night um you know I went out to a brewery with a bunch of the homies, you know, and it was after jumping and stuff. And I, I still hadn't really come out with it too much. I just, uh, you know, I was still trying to figure out how to process everything. And I looked down this really long table of about 20, 30 jumpers, you know, it was a, it was a big group. And I thought, you know, and then thought about all my friends and looked across the restaurant at everybody else. And I was like, those people would have a 17% chance of living five beers, but mm. not us. You know, where do you guys pull that data from? You certainly don't pull it from a bunch of skydivers. Sure. You're pulling sure. it from a bunch of humans that stay stuck behind their computer all year looking at vacations that they never take that, you know, are incredibly unhealthy, that never take risks, that only, you know, dream about what they want to do and, 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 you know, do what they what they can do. They don't ever go outside of the box. They don't take risk. They don't take care of their mental health or their physical health. You know, we're all athletes. I mean, you can't be in terrible shape and be a skydiver. Um, You know, we are constantly putting mental health awareness, you know, on the forefront. It's not taboo in our community. Um, There's just so many things that make us a different different breed sure you know how in the hell could somebody justify giving me you know those odds when they know absolutely nothing about me 
What sucks, um, what sucks in, in my opinion, especially about uh, um, the, the, the way that doctors, I, I almost think, have to behave, and especially in the States, is they're so fucking scared of lawsuits and getting sued if they tell someone one thing and another thing happens. And I'm sure you've seen this with other things outside of your uh, uh, diagnosis. They always give you worst case. Oh no, right. you, it's going to be a year before it's going to be two years or you're going to walk with a limp or this is never going to work that way or this way. And in my personal experience and in those of most of my friends, they're always wrong, always Absolutely. wrong. But Absolutely. I think they're, I think they're, I think they're wrong with intention because they're so fucking scared that they're going to get sued that they'd rather just tell you now nah, you're fucked and then their bases are covered, which sucks. That's a great point. That's a great point. I mean, I do have a lot of sympathy for the healthcare community. Sure. Um, a lot of them are doing the best that they can, but they're so jaded at this oh, yeah. point. They, they're just um, overworked and underpaid in a lot of cases, and they don't like what they're having to do every sure. day either. Sure. But just imagine if I would have believed that. Oh, yeah. No, just imagine if I would have internalized those numbers and just said, fuck it. Yeah. Right. And and so I think that's where the real tragedy lies. Um, and, and, oh, man, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse after that. Not to mention pre-diagnosis, you know, because I was sick as a fucking dog mm. for a year and nobody would listen to me, you know, because I looked great. Right. I was an athlete. I was young. The average age for ovarian cancer is 65. Mm. There is no there is no test for it um, other than, you know, exploratory surgery and a biopsy. So when I'm sitting there telling these doctors like, no, something is really, really wrong. I mean, if I could go through my phone and find out how many times I Googled the word cancer in a year, it would probably sure. be a thousand. Sure. I knew I knew. And I kept getting turned away at every, you know, at every appointment. Um, and so I, I honestly sat back and decided to change my strategy. Um, what I did was, you know, I had been going to all these doctors that were, were renowned and had tenure and were in, you know, their field for 25 years. They were experts. But what I thought about was like, man, I need somebody to talk to that's 10 years younger than me, mm. <laughs> you know, that just graduated college and just started practicing somebody that's not, not been just completely brutalized by our healthcare system already that maybe is still, you know, that it's aggressive that, sure. that somebody, somebody that actually will do extra work sure. still you know, and not just brush me off. And so finally towards the end of that year, I mean, I lost, like 15 pounds in a month, man. I mean, wow. like you couldn't look at me until I was done. You could, you could barely touch me and I would get these God awful bruises. I mean, there, it was obvious, mm. <laughs> you know, it was obvious. Um, and that's what I did. I found a very, very young, lovely gynecologist that was, you know, brand new and she listened to every word I said, she cared. She immediately was like, all right, let's get in there and see what's going on. And then, you know, about a week and a half later, when all the the you know biopsies came back, then that's when we realized, wow, <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. You know? Um, and after that, it just kind of the the that's when the fight really started. Um, and it was more about fighting for, you know, my right to make my own medical decisions, um, you know, listening to my body and getting other people to listen to me about my body. Um, instead of them just turning to page 89 in the cancer handbook and sure. doing what that says and taking the easiest route. Essentially, I ended up about 50 grand out of pocket, um, even though I had incredible insurance. But I chose a pretty untraditional route that insurance, you know, just wasn't going to pay for. Like the 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 standard is just to put me right into chemo. Right. Sure. And I knew immediately that that is going to be the last thing I ever do. You mm. know, I'll do, I'll do chemo, but I'll do it on my deathbed. Sure. Right. I'm gonna, and I don't want to judge anybody and, and disclaimer, not making any kind of, you know, medical suggestions or trying to give anybody advice. But for me, there was no question about it. I could, I couldn't, um, understand the concept of killing my body when I'm trying to keep my body alive. Sure. Um, 
So I really, really, really fought hard for pretty radical surgery. And at this point, it had, you know, spread to, you know, bladder, you know, uh, thank God it didn't make it to my lungs, but, you know, liver. I mean, it would, it just lit me up like a fucking Christmas tree, you know? And I, I just really got angry. You know, I just really got angry. And (laughs) fun fact, uh, I was diagnosed, you know, about a week before Summerfest, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I decided to still come. Of course. At that point, I I was not living at Skydive Chicago yet, but I brought my RV to Summerfest two years ago. And most people didn't know, like, where Ellen was, right? I, I was in my RV all day. And didn't come outside until the sun came down. Um, but what I was doing was I was calling doctors. I was making appointments. I was doing research. I was trying to process what I had just found out, you know, a week earlier. But I knew I needed to be here. Mm. <laughs> you know, I've got chill bumps saying it again. I just knew I needed to see my 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 Sky Fam, man. Sure. And the only people that were ever going to get me out of this was is you guys. Sure. Um, sure. So I can, I came up with a, a very um, unique plan at Summerfest two years ago on how to save my life. Um, and, you know, something something else that I've only told a few people, I don't I don't know if you know, Chris Freyer, um, you know, just he, he's maybe a good skydiver or not. I don't know. <laughs> he's one of the best damn skydivers in the world, you know, <laughs> um, but he's my tunnel coach, right? Hmm. He, he, I think he's running, uh, he is running Colorado Springs. I fly right now. Um, you know, world records, like been in sport 20 years, probably. I mean, he, you know, broken back bones basically, but old burnout skydiver, but God, I love him so much. And he, uh, you know, he made me go on a skydive with him that summer fest. And at that point I had already pretty much quit skydiving because I was in so much pain all the time. Sure. But he lit- he was organizing and he literally saw me. I showed up at the hangar the last damn day, you know, to get my t-shirt. And <laughs> he said, I'm not going to jump with one other person until you go on a skydive with me. And he, he made me, he made me go on that jump. And you know, I was really confused about what I wanted to do if I wanted to do anything. Um, you know, there was a big part of me that thought, well, if they're right about how long I have left, should I really do anything or should I just try to live my best life sure. while I have left? So it was a very confusing time. But man, the second that I got under my canopy, um, I was in an immense amount of pain. And it hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. I was like, Ellen, your argument about quality of life is bullshit because you have no quality of life already. Mm. And it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse if you don't do something about this, you know, and 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 I literally made the decision that I was going to do whatever it took to save my life at Summerfest two years ago <laughs> because of Chris Freyer making me go on that stupid skydive, you know, I mean, forcing me to go up in the air when I didn't want to, but he knew, he knew I needed the reminder of, of what this does for me, you know, and why I need to live and why I need to fight. And ever since then, it's been guns out, baby. You know, I have just been going balls to the wall to get this thing over with. Well, that's one of the amazing things about the community, right? Is they'll they'll listen to what's going on. They'll understand what's going on. Then they'll chuck sensitivity out the window and give it to yeah. you straight, which is the most amazing part about it, right? I mean, uh, there's nothing better in the world than having a close skydiver of friend of mine when I'm beating myself up or doing something and not taking care of whatever, calling me a pussy and getting me out of my own funk when everyone else in the world would be like, oh, it's going to be okay. I'd much rather have somebody go stop being a fucking pussy and do this, which how amazing would it be if the rest of the world, doctors, medical professionals included, got to use the gallows humor that we do in this this dark sense of humor and this zero filters kind of way of dealing with people, how much smoother everything would go. I wish we could just bottle up the the fundamentals of this community and like distribute it across the world to everybody. You know, we try, this, but this- it gets us banned on Facebook. <laughs> 
yeah. our our baseline is just so different you know like like chris prayer and I, I mean he's such a dear friend but you you would never know that because all we do is just talk shit to each other you know yeah. <laughs> like all we do is just crack on each other all day every day it's amazing it's the most beautiful relationship but he knew what i needed that day yeah. You know, he knew exactly what I needed because that was the last skydive I went on for a long time. Yeah. I mean, after yeah. that, I, <clears throat> you know, had multiple surgeries and almost died twice. I, you know, was in the ICU for quite some time, had to learn how to walk again. I, you know, just it, it, it was such a battle after that. And, and he knew that I needed to go into it with that memory. Yeah. You know, remembering what it feels like to fly my canopy and 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 see my friends at a boogie and everything. And um, and so I remember after that jump, I got fucking amped. You know, I was just like, all right, it's go time, baby. Let's let's do this. And I got really, um, you know, I guess I had some grandiose uh, ideas of how things were going to go. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be organizing at Summerfest next year. Like, I'm not going to die. Like, I'm going to I'm going to be organizing. And it didn't really go quite that well, but I wasn't far off because by the next Summerfest, I was living at Skydive Chicago. Sure. You know, and I was sure. part of the the community. And then this Summerfest, I'm working the whole event. You know, it's it 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 gave me the the confidence boost. And <clears throat> I had I got the opportunity to remember how I felt after that skydive throughout my entire, you know, course of treatment so sure. far. It, so it- it always astounds me how what the rest of the world would consider just being ridiculously irresponsible is what focuses us and gets us going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's a really good way to put it. And and, and define responsibility, yeah. right? Who and what are 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 you trying to be responsible for? Well, I know for for me moving forward things have changed so much. The only person I care about is myself. Really, I am I am kind and good to all people, but I'm very important, you know, and sure. and take, taking care of me. That's not selfish. Right. No. But when when you're just on this rat race, um, you know, and all you care about is like the money and the success and, you know, having that standard American dream. I mean, really, all that is is for other people. Sure. It's not for you. It, it it it's you know g- giving and giving and giving and giving you're giving your time your energy your mental wellness um it's extremely taxing and it's unhealthy oh yeah you know, you're living that really instagram unhealthy. life yep i um you know tried to continue working um as long as i could but you know the the stress it did a lot of damage. It did a lot of damage to me mentally and physically, you know, trying to manage, you know, millions and millions and millions of, of dollars of other people's money and having these quotas and traveling five days a week. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I don't know why somebody didn't just sit me down and say, Ellen, you can't do this, you know, but, but they didn't. And, and I don't blame them because for the longest time that, that is what made me happy. You know, it is, is succeeding in that world. But I started having, um, you know, some pretty severe issues with um, panic attacks and anxiety Um, because not only was I just, uh, you know, like so concerned to the point where sometimes it would be hard to breathe that I was going to fuck up at work. um, I was worried about dying, too. And there's really, really no question about what is more important. You know, when you put those two things into perspective, I was just giving too much to, to too many other people and not focusing on myself. So at at one point, you know, things started getting pretty ugly at work. Um, and, you know, again, not trying to generalize a whole, you know, community as in the flooring industry or sales or anything like that. But I mean, it was really shitty, to be honest with you, because one of the last big meetings I had, um, you know, a, a upper management guy, I mean, just reamed me in, in the middle of a, a Jay Alexander's in front of a client, you know, because my numbers were down and just talked to me like I was the biggest piece of shit on the planet, you know, with no empathy, no, no humanity even no questions about what i was going through no just only assumptions because people see the fact that i'm not bald 
I, I just don't look like the traditional cancer patient, right? Sure. And they assume that it's over. Right. They don't know what I'm going through on a day-to-day basis because they don't ask. And this guy just literally stri- tried to strip me down of every bit of decency I had in front of a client. And he loved it. You of know, course. he loved it. He got to feel like such a badass doing that to me in front of people. It, it gave him so much joy and fed his ego to the point where he probably had the best day of his life after that. And I had to pull over on the side of the road because I felt like I was going to die. Sure. You know, I was having one of the worst panic attacks I've ever had in my life after that. And that's when I decided this is not for me anymore. You know, I, I cannot be around people that just are not connected with reality. Right. Um, I like to call it cracked open humans. Mm. We are okay with emotions around here. We're okay with crying. We're okay. If I have a panic attack here, I'm not going to be alone, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, and ever since I eliminated that type of pressure and those type of people from my everyday life, I have not had another panic attack since. Which is awesome. I mean, it's, it's kind of funny, right? That you, people have that kind of stuff happen in the so-called real world all the time. Yet we step into skydiving where we actually have shit that can kill us mm-hmm. <laughs> on a very, on a daily, almost hourly basis. And the majority of skydivers are dramatically more relaxed or at least dramatically more capable of handling it when they do lose their shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, our baseline is just different yeah. than, than a lot of people's. Our baseline is you know, scary, right? We deal with scary shit all the time. And, and, you know, I'm not saying we're better than anybody. It's just you can say that. <laughs> I think we're better than everybody. Oh, no, I. So do I. <laughs> I, I mean, I think we're definitely more capable of handling the ins and outs of trauma. We're more sure. capable of handling, you know, a, a, critical situation we're right. more capable of making life or death choices on the spot sure. there's just a lot of things that have really played into my quote-unquote cancer story um that i don't think would be so successful with without who sure. i am sure. and, and this community um so like i said this is the year for me to stop sugarcoating it Right. I've been through hell. I have been through hell. Um, not over yet. And it's just one of those types of scenarios where it's something that I will have to deal with for the rest of my life. Sure. And I've learned so much, you know, I don't necessarily feel the need to go around and talk about this doctor's appointment and that doctor's appointment, but man, I am enlightened in a lot of ways and have, have seen and experienced things that I hope most, you know, my friends, I hope they never do, but man, I'm learning some really incredible things that I just want to scream from the rooftops some days. And so this is truly my year to connect the dots for people and let people know exactly what I've been going through the last couple of years and what I'm learning and how it could apply to everybody else. Well, and that's one of the things that I see uh, is getting better and better in the community, in a community where it was already pretty good, is people are a lot more open and willing to share that kind of thing. Uh, The mental health thing is finally starting to come around a little bit. You know, it always used to be with the mental health issues, it was just people had a bad vibe that day, not... I'm having a proper fucking anxiety attack and I can't hang on today. It was, no, I just had a bad vibe. That's changing as well. Now people are are being able to let loose with, no, I'm just having a shit day or I'm having to deal with this or I'm going through these things. So even that is getting better and better and better. Yeah. So through, throughout the course of the last two years, you know, there's been so many things professionally and personally that have happened outside of actually dealing with cancer, (laughs) you know, that, um, I essentially was diagnosed with PTSD, you know, Mm. shocker, uh, cancer, cancer can come with a whole lot of mental illness, you know, go, go figure. But I was having these really debilitating anxiety attacks and I've never struggled with mental illness in my life. Um, 
you know, of course I've had some sad days. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> um, of course I've had some, you know, sad days here and there and, and the normal teenage angst when I got dumped and things like that, but, um, never, ever, ever true bona fide anxiety sure. until, um, you know, a, a few things that, um, I'm not going to talk about because we don't necessarily want to like blast people and <laughs> on this podcast, but you know, hey, there, let's there, talk about a real cheerful podcast about, uh, uh panic attacks man, and cancer. Yay. There is just some <laughs> shit that I had to deal with in the last two years that I should not have had to deal with. Just yep. put it that way. And, um, Unfortunately, you know, you compartmentalize that stuff uh, to a degree where it can become very problem problemsome. Um, and I, sure. I was I was diagnosed with PTSD. There's some particular events that, you know, left a big mark, basically. Sure. Um, and once I started to learn more about that, I realized, man, where can you find the most people that have PTSD in one place? <laughs> 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 a fucking drop zone you yeah, know like yeah. i just am where i'm supposed to be you yeah. know so i have slowly but surely cut away you know in october of last year is when i had my last meeting that we talked about a little while ago in corporate america and i've not been back um good fuck that guy I, yeah fuck that guy man you know and and, and bless his heart no, but fuck them. <laughs> I mean, it just is not worth it, you know. And and then I started selling everything, right? The the this couch, this four thousand dollar couch that I had that was the best damn couch of my life, and I loved it, and all my friends loved it, and we had some really good parties on it. I got rid of it because I don't need that couch anymore, yeah. you know. Um, and so I started just purging, and oh my god, it was the most liberating feeling ever you know, to, to realize I don't have to worry about where I live anymore. I've got a, a paid off RV. I've got a paid off van and I can do whatever I want to whenever I want to. And it's such a beautiful life. It is such a beautiful life. So, you know, I eliminated about, if I had to quantify it, about 75% of my stress, mm. just mm. getting rid of that American dream, sure. you know, that I have worked 20 years for. And here's the thing. It's like, you know, I, like I said, I had the $800 or 800 credit score. I had money in the bank. I had rental properties. I had everything. I did it all right. And within two years, systematically, you know, because of our healthcare system and because of the way corporate America works, I, I had almost nothing anyway. Sure. So what am I going to do? Go back and do another 20 years? Fuck that. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go live at the drop zone with my homies and have some fun. Yeah. Um, well, and I mean, Chicago has been such a beautiful environment for me to heal. And, of course. I mean, we all know uh, a lot of miserable rich people. We've all met them. We've all dealt with them. Um, all the money in the world doesn't make people happy. Um, they'd be just as fucked with it. And uh, um, I'm sure you uh, you're old enough to remember the crash of 2008 that wiped out a lot of fucking people that were doing really well. I was a broke Scott ever. Didn't have a fucking thing. Didn't own a fucking thing. 2008 was a great year. Didn't yeah, baby. <laughs> didn't fuck with me at all, man. My 401k was fine because it didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, honestly, 2020 was one of the best years of my life because everybody <laughs> everybody was getting unemployment checks and all the tunnel rats were able to skydive. And, you know, we just went like I went to 27 states in 2020. I yeah. mean, we were all working from home. It was it was great because, you know, the drop zones and the tunnels shut down. Sure. But then sure. the drop zones opened up before the tunnels did and they were all getting unemployment. So they were actually able to skydive for a while. Sure. <laughs> so I was getting a skydive with all my tunnel homies. It was, it was a great year, man. It was a great year, but so many other people were suffering so bad because they relied on this, this falsity that, that, that security, that having all that money and the property and the revolving, you know, it, it's, it's numbers on paper. It's not, it's not re real security, you sure. know, and it well, can it can come go, especially people that work in the industry uh, or like me, kind of step straight into working in skydiving. You get real comfortable with very little, 
really quickly. Yeah. Um, and you don't worry about it. You know, I mean, it's uh, everything breaks down to how many jumps can I get if I don't buy this or if I don't buy that. And I don't need the fancy car. I just need to be able to get to the drop zone. And I'd rather spend the money on the new canopy or I got to save up for the line set or this or that. And, you know, if especially if you're in a seasonal drop zone, it's feast or famine or you've got someplace else to go, but you get very comfortable with living on a dramatically lower scale than you need to if you have the house and and the fancy car and the mortgage and all the bills and all that bullshit. And there's not to say that there's anything wrong with that life either if it's fulfilling to you. But to people like you and and me, that shit just never worked, you know? No, no. And it, and not only did it did it not work, it did damage yeah. for me. You know, it it truly did damage. Um, and when it came down to, you know, learning the lesson the hard way of, of how beautiful and important life is, you know, how much I want to be here. Um, I, and I am scared to die. You know, sure. I, I did to some degree. Right. Like then you just you start being more capable of making these pretty drastic decisions. Sure. <laughs> and somebody put it um, the the best way i've heard it not too long ago um so you know here at skydive chicago if you do a tandem you can like rent a cabin right and stay for for a couple days and hang out at the pond and um it's it's rare that you actually get to do stuff like that with like woofos all the time you know so it's pretty cool i i love those moments where you get to hang out with somebody and and the couple that I'm talking about, the guy just got his A license the other day. Nice. You know, you can, you can see it in their eyes. Like, you know, when somebody's going to be a skydiver after a tandem. Yeah. Um, but they were sitting out by the pond and we were having a couple beers and like, man, they were just blown away. How do you do this? Like, this is the coolest life ever, you know, blah, blah, blah. And a buddy of mine right there said, well, you know, none of us got here by accident. Right. I mean, Society might look at us living in trailers and, you know, think that we're bums and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, truly, it takes a lot of work sure. to be able to to cut away from society to the point to where you can do this full time and yeah. you can snowbird. And it's it's not because we lost everything. No. Right. It's because we put everything into it. Absolutely. And there's something there's something to be said about that. You know, it's it's just sheer determination uh, to, to do what makes us happy, you know? And that's why I'm not going to be one of those fuckers that has a 17% chance to live five years. Exactly. I'm not programmed that way. Right. It's, it's just the truth. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I'm not that scared of dying. I'm scared of getting sick. I'm scared of having a, a low quality of life, but I'm also completely prepared to do what I have to do for that not to happen. And and it's because of, you know, kind of the programming that sure. that we all share. Well, and luckily, though, having been brought into this community and you being second generation in this community, um, we're just wired differently to make these the life or death decisions, like you said. <clears throat> and so... It's very easy for us to say, I'm I'm not going to stop fighting. What's the first fucking thing that you're taught when you're in ground school about dealing with malfunctions? Never, Never give, give up. up. Never yep. give up. Yep. All the Just handles are pulled. Yeah. Keep yanking <laughs> shit. And and, yep. and 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 worst case scenario, if it is all coming to an end, you were really busy and you didn't see it coming. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You're a little distracted when it does yeah. happen. Never give up. You know, it's it's yeah. funny when when I uh, when I started the podcast and I was trying to think of a name, the reason that I came up with Lunatic Fringe is because it to me encapsulates the community so well because the definition of Lunatic Fringe is a group that operates outside of normal society. Some people think that it sounds like it's uh, uh, an insult that we're all crazy, but it's not. It's just a group that operates outside of what the normal society deems the way you're supposed to do things. And I don't know about you, but I take great pride in being a member of a society that doesn't do things like everybody else does. And honestly, I, I wish it was a little more mainstream. You know, you, you think about it like Kurt Bartholomew, like the Bartholomews in general, both of them, Jeannie and Kurt, that, you know, if, if anybody else in any sport would win 
gold that many times over and over and over and over again it would be on tv they would be on the fucking today show that you know what i mean but not skydiving right no. it's taboo but you know it's it's almost perfect in the in the way that it's it's not so tainted sure because if it did start to get mainstream like that i, I just i'm just not sure it would be the same um i mean i don't i don't know i i I think there'd still be parts of it that would be the same, but I mean, I was always of the mentality that uh, just in pay scale alone, I think it should be completely reversed. I think that soccer players should be making what skydivers do, and we should be making the millions because we're the ones putting our asses on the line literally every day, you know, one spectator at a time. For the joy and pleasure of other people, yeah. you know, we are we are physically exerting ourselves. We are taking risk every day. I couldn't agree with you more. Oh, I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. But it's oh, it's well. just it's fascinating to to see how, like you said, we we're not the norm for no. some reason. You know, we're no. we're put in this little box of being so different, and 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 it's because we are. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> one of the. That's one of the reasons that I so enjoyed working as a tandem instructor and shooting videos for tandems for so many years, because you get to see on your student's face exactly why you are not living the normal life, because they're just getting a glimpse of what your life is every single day. And I'm sure you've heard it a million times as well. You have the best job ever. Yes, yes, absolutely. I do. And I do this because I love watching people like you who before this jump thought they had it all wrapped up going, Oh fuck, maybe I didn't have this. So right. (laughs) Yep. It's incredible. Yeah. I do. I miss working in the sport. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I was, I was well on my way to like the big way scene. That was my, you know, aspiration back in the day and, you know, was able to afford all the tunnel time and stuff like that. Not so much anymore. And, and that's okay. And all my ratings are expired now too, (laughs) you know, and that's okay too. Mine too. But yeah, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I, uh, went to my home drop zone not too long ago for my body's ash dive. And, um, you know, while I was there, I cranked out some work jumps, man. And I was geeking so hard on yep. getting back to flying camera. And, you know, I think, I think that's going to be my next venture is just like re-entering into, you know, like flying my canopy again. Right. Seeing those nice. first times. Um, I, I had a pretty awesome rad, uh, controversial uh, canopy progression when I was cranking skydives out back in the day. <laughs> you know, I was all I was doing was camera jumps, right? So you get kind of bored at the bottom end of the skydive, and you know, I, I was sub 100 by the time I had 500 jumps. But I'm not promoting that. I I earned it, right? Sure. So uh, canopy was always kind of kind of my thing, um, and I I just upsized. And it was probably the smartest thing I've ever done in my skydiving career. You know, coming back, I, technically I've never gone uncurrent, but I mean, a couple of skydives every six months is not current. Sure. Um, so every time I would get back up in the air, I would feel like I was going to shit my pants. You know, like it just it, it was always fine. Have I hurt myself? No, but it was stupid. <laughs> um, so I I just went back up to you know a canopy that I had almost 700 jumps on, you know, is extremely familiar with. And sure. it, it was the smartest thing I've ever done. Cause I eliminated the gear fear. Um, you know, I'm under, under a wing that, that I'll never forget sure. no matter how long it's been since I've flown it. And, and, you know, I started, I started pulling on some things the last time, I nice. was, you know, working, I, you know, I started creating a little bit of speed again and man, I'm, I'm just getting fired up about sure. actually getting back up in the air consistently. But I think the 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 biggest thing that I like to talk about now is that I don't have to have that, but I have to have the people. Sure. You know, I have to have the skydivers. I don't actually have to have the skydiving. Anymore. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that's that's something that I guess you could call it my platform this year to some degree. Um, you know, talking to people about getting complacent and 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 forgetting that. There may be a day in your life where you can't actually jump out of that plane. What are you going to do? Sure. You know, are you going to go into, like I was saying earlier, that massive identity crisis where you just don't know what to do with yourself every day? Are you going to start maybe coming up with a plan now? You know, like getting your rigors ticket, becoming a judge, you know, figuring out other ways you can work in the sport. Um, Or are you just going to give it up? 
sure. which I don't recommend. No. <laughs> well, I don't recommend. One of the huge benefits to to being a modern day skydiver is um, social media keeps us so well in tune with what's going on in the sport. I mean, you and I are sitting here and talking because Melissa Nelson suggested that we should have a chat. And you know, I have never spoken before and never met before, but it's it's great uh, as a fellow skydiver. It's very easy to build up a rapport very quickly. I think I was giving you shit for rescheduling on me right away. <laughs> Because fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Man. Yeah, it, <laughs> as, you know, as it should be. If a skydiver isn't giving me shit, then are they really a skydiver? Yeah, that's you right. know, I, I expect a little of that uh, punching and bobbing and weaving. It's fun. It's it's really enjoyable, you know? I mean, so it, it's a little bit easier to stay involved with the community nowadays. And I say that with experience because now for about 10 months, this is the longest stretch that I've not been actively on a drop zone in the last 29 years because um, I retired from flying full time. And so my only contact um, with jumpers in the industry for now has been either through social media or doing the podcast. Um, and if you ask me if I've had even a shred of an identity crisis, the answer is no, because I'm still right. very much in the thick of things. Even if you're not in the position like I am to have these wonderful conversations with jumpers, um, it's still very easy to live vicariously in the sport and reach out to people via social media. For as fucked as I think social media is, and as much as I hate Facebook and Instagram and all that bullshit, I also love it because it keeps us very together. It's a ne necessary evil yeah. nowadays. Just, you just really can't get past that. And yeah. the, the access that you have to your community with it is... Um, it's worth all the bullshit that you have yeah. to filter out, you know, to get there. I mean, there's, there's been some things that I've seen in, in our community regarding social media that are pretty fucking disgusting in my opinion recently. Um, but I try to turn a blind eye, you know, I try not to, to get jaded by that and just realize that you can't change the world, right? No. People are going to be people regardless of what they do for a living or what their hobbies are. Um, but no, it's, it's, I agree. It's really important. And, um, you know, being a part of the community that can look different for everybody, sure. you know, but you, you nailed it. I mean, you are the true, you know, definition of what I'm talking about. It's somebody that has kind of found their way in the sport without it actually having to be exiting an aircraft. Sure. Um, and I feel like, you know, that's, that's a, an important message and something that, that people may not think about until it's too late, you know, Absolutely. kind of making sure you create, you create a plan, not necessarily a plan as in, you know, I'm going to do A, B, and C, but be mentally prepared for an injury or sure. loss of income or, you know, moving away and being four hours from a drop zone opposed to, to you know, 30 minutes. Or sure. there's, there's just so many reasons why you might have to step back and rethink, you know, what your day-to-day -day life is in skydiving. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and I, I have stood down for medical reasons because I had some surgery on my neck and they've said it's going to be a year, year and a half. And I'm good with that, too. But I've also got a lot of years and a lot of jumps under my belt. So it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings to spend a little time on the ground, out of the cockpit and on the ground. And, and again, just having great conversations. But again, I fully plan on jumping again and jumping actively again. So it's out there. Meanwhile, yeah. you're sitting in a trailer at Skydive Chicago when Summerfest is about to kick off. Woo! Oh, Catalina wine mixer. Fucking <laughs> jealous. Well, tell me as as we as we wind down towards the end of things, what have you got planned for for Summerfest specifically? Are you going to be out jumping, or are you just going to play and hang out? Man, I'm going to be keeping all my friends safe. I am so <laughs> excited. I'm going to be checking in gear, and I'll be loading people onto the aircrafts all Summerfest. Nice. Nice. I'm so excited. I'm going to be helping out with some events at night too, but that's just kind of organically what happens anyway. Sure. <laughs> um, sure. Yes. Yeah, so, no, I feel like a real integral part of the community this year. This place has done nothing but just protect me and giving me last year. It gave me a safe place to heal this year. It's giving me a safe place to grow and I'm just finding my way. And like, I got chill bumps right now. talking. <laughs> man. It's, it's so dope Just how this, these people in this place is and like sure. to, to be here and watch the cultivation of the event 
you know, and, and help with all the work leading up to it. And then to be here after the event is over. I mean, seriously, it's, it's the best week of our lives, you know, and to be such a big part of that. Um, I am so excited. You know, am I organizing this year? No, but you know, like I got close to it, you know, (laughs) maybe next year, man, maybe next year. So So, yeah, you guys, y'all can find me like in the registration area, you know, I'll be like, you, you can't, can't get it past me guys. Make sure you have your shit cleaned up. And it's all tight and you got your reserve repacked. You know what I mean? I'll be checking your gear, making sure that gets through registration. And then, then I'll be putting you guys on the gravy train. Nice. You know? Nice. Now, how do people um, get a hold of you on social media if they want to know more about your story, if they want to come hang out, if they want to jump? How can they follow you if you're going to be updating people on what's going on with you? How's all that? Yeah, absolutely. So Instagram is probably the most predominant platform that I use. And my handle is Sarah Ellen L on Instagram, um, Ellen Pulford on Facebook. And while I've got the opportunity, I just want to say thank you to some people, especially Scott of Chicago, first and foremost. Um, again, you know, this has been such a such a great home for me. It's the only place I've felt like home in a very long time. So I just want to thank everybody here for everything that they do for me and the whole entire community. Um, my sponsor option studios has always been right by my side, uh, you know, the whole way, whether I'm jumping or not, they've been such a great support system for me and just all of you guys, man, I love y'all. <laughs> I love awesome. you so much and I appreciate everything this community has done for me and, you know, never turning its back on me, man. Never turning its back on me. I, and it's I, never I, I going to. never do that to you. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And thank you, Dean. Thank you for the opportunity to just kind of chat a bit, man. I, I don't even feel like I... I really did anything but just hung out with a skydiver. <laughs> Which is exactly what I want. That's exactly what the whole idea is. It's just a couple of jumpers shooting the shit and and people have the opportunity to maybe uh, learn a thing or two uh, during the conversation or even come up with some questions and some topics to, to discuss. So it's always wonderful. And thank you so much for uh, taking the time to sit down and talk and share the story. And I look forward to following the journey because I know that uh, you said you're still in the fight and there's a lot more to come. And I want to hear all about it awesome thank you so much and you know one more little little bit guys if if there's anybody out there struggling with health issues or you know has a feeling that something is wrong but doesn't know how to get to the bottom of it um you know or is in their own cancer journey like reach out to me you know i don't i don't care if you're a skydiver if you're a skydiver's kid a mom, you know if, if you're hearing this and know who i am and you're struggling in any way, you know, regarding health issues um, and all the millions of things that come with that. Like, I'm here, man. We're not that's strangers. Awesome. If, that's if, that's, awesome. if that's the case, we are not strangers. We are actually very connected already. So just let me know if there's anything I can do. That's very, very cool. Ellen, thank you again so much. Yeah, no, thank you, Dean. I love it. All right, guys. Take ya. care. Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs rigging courses, and more by Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.